I've got a little message for you. I, um, one of my goals in leading a brilliant church like you guys is that when people come to church, I, my hope is that people will leave feeling better than the way they came in. What I hate is that people, when they think about churches, they go there, they go through the religious motions and they leave thinking, oh, I'm just rubbish. You are not rubbish. God doesn't think you're rubbish. And my hope is that by sharing some biblical thoughts with you guys, that you'll leave encouraged, that you're actually amazing. And we need to be told that sometimes, don't we? How about turn to the person next to you and go, you are amazing. Turn to the person on the other side and you, so are you, I'm not leaving you out. I think uh, when I reflect on what our nation loves, we love a talent show. We love a talent show in our nation. I mean, some of the most popular TV programs are talent shows, the obvious one being the X Factor. But we've also got Britain's Got Talent, we've got The Voice, we've got Strictly and all these other dancing ones, we've got cooking ones. There is just talent shows all over the place. And in our house, our family, we love it, we love it. You know, they've all got their favourites of who they want to, to win and the rest of it. And I start thinking, well, why is it we love it so much? And I, I think probably because we like people who are talented to be given a shot. We like the idea of, look at them, you know, no one knew them, and now they're on this big stage on national TV, and look how good they are. It's brilliant. We like the idea of fame and fortune and celebrity and this kind of stuff. We like the idea that that could be me or you or someone we knew. It's just like something in us is like, oh, that, that's really, really great. But can I be a little bit naughty? Well, I'm not going to ask for permission. I'm going to be a little bit naughty. I quite like it. And I think as a nation, we quite like it. Particularly on the X Factor, when someone turns up to the audition and they're rubbish. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Come on, let's not be religious right now. Inwardly, you're going... They have that one, they turn up and they come to the audition and they go, it all goes quiet and there's, there's Simon Cowell and, and Louie and all them and they start to sing and Simon and Louie start getting the old shoulder giggles on them. They, and in our house we lose it, it's probably terrible and I'm probably a really bad person but I find it funny. And then at the end of it, they, they bring themselves down and they say, oh, you, you, know, you know, thanks for coming but um, probably not the talent we're looking for. Who told you you could sing? And it's always me nan. <laughs> me nan told me I could sing. She thinks I'm brilliant. We've got to love a good nan, haven't we? Round of applause for all the nans in the room. Good old nan. You literally cannot sing a note, but nan thinks you're brilliant. We love nan. But nan put you on public TV and made you look a right muppet, which made me smile. So it's all good. It's all good. Here's what I want to suggest. Simon Cowell isn't the ultimate star maker. Good as he is, I want to suggest to you today in this context, Jesus is the ultimate star maker. You know, we know the Christmas story well, don't we? We know that Mary arrives on a donkey, and yes, we've got some donkeys afterwards. We know that the shepherds had this angelic encounter which kind of freaked them out, but it inspired them, something from heaven inspired them to be on the scene. We know that there's the wise men from afar and they see a star. Jesus literally launched a new star and it caused them to be around the scene where they encountered the star. He is the ultimate star of the show is Jesus, but check this. He makes various mission statements. 
And I love it, especially when we have lots of guests in church, because one of my bugbears about faith and religion and church is that many people have an opinion, but they haven't actually looked at what it says. And when people start hearing the Bible unpacked, and they're like, oh, it's actually quite good. And what I want to do is unpack some of the things that the Bible says about you, because you are flipping brilliant. And God thinks so. The trouble is, do we think so? One of Jesus' mission statements we find in John 10, and he says this, I came, Jesus came, my mission is that you would have a full life. There's so many people have this opinion about Jesus and church and religion and all this kind of stuff, but what Jesus himself actually said is, I came that you would have life and life in its fullness. That sounds pretty good to me. That was one of his missions. Check this first. Psalm 139 and verses 14 and 15. It may well come on the screen, I hope. Psalm 139, 14 and 15. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. I love this. See, this is David writing, and he's building this picture of our reality, that God made you on purpose and for purpose. You're not an accident. You're certainly not a mistake. And there's this picture of God crafting you in the womb. And it says, fearfully. And what it doesn't mean is this. (laughs) What on earth have I done? No, fearfully means respectfully, with reverence, even me. He's in the room, he's going, Barry, I'm going to put some skills in you. You're going to be this kind of guy. <laughs> I was made on purpose and for purpose. You were made on purpose and for purpose. You see, he puts skills in you and talent in you and creativity in you and hopes in you and passions in you. And there's a great big heart for things in you. There are business people and entrepreneurs sat in this room. There are musicians and singers. There are sports people. There are craftsmen. There are people who are just great at listening and giving counsel. There's all kinds of gifts in this room, and God put them there. Not an accident. He crafted you in the womb, and he says, I'm putting something in you. And Jesus came and says, I want you to have the full life. And his goal is to pull it out of you. Because he knows what he put in you. You know, I don't know about you, but I look at people who can draw. Especially pencil drawings. And the way they can show it. And I look at it and I'll have a go at that. And I can do a brilliant stick man. But I am useless. I know what I think I can do. But when you draw it and you look at it and you compare it. Someone else does this drawing you're like, that is amazing. They somehow just make it pop out, be 3D, shade it all in. Just with a pencil. And I'm like, you're amazing. They can just do it. But what about these people who are great listeners? Have you ever sat with someone and after half an hour you just went around for a cup of coffee and you've told them your whole life story? They can just do it. They can just pull it out of you. Why? Because it's a God-given gift. They can just do it. Some people you talk to and you're sitting there thinking, you're not even listening to me, are you? We all know that person, don't we? But others are sitting there and they just draw it out of you and you walk away feeling like, they actually heard me. Oh, I feel so blessed. That is a gift. But here's a big question today. Do you flow in your gift? Do you flow in your gift? 
Because it strikes me that through the course of life, and I know we can all reflect on this, that somewhere in it all, we just get dumbed down, even robbed of our gift. You know, we have these talents, these dreams, these desires in our heart, this, this desire to make a little bit of an impact somewhere in life to someone. It's all in us. But things get said. Things happen. Circumstances conspire against us. People let us down. Somewhere in it all, we just find ourselves plodding along and we've lost a little piece of ourselves. And it's okay. Most of us have an okay life, don't we? It's all right. But here's the question. Is it the full life that Jesus came for? I don't want to say to you, I don't know where you're at in life, what you've gone through, what you're going through even now, but you are not the sum total of things that have happened to you. You're not the sum total of people's opinion of you. You're not the sum total of what people have said about you. You're not the sum total of your own mistakes. You are a brilliant person. To God, you're amazing. Do you know why? Because he crafted you in the womb. And he looks at you through this filter that says, I know what's in there. I know what I put in there. You are brilliant, you are. But in life, somewhere in it all, we just go, it's too hard. I know we can relate to it. But when God looks at you, he looks through this filter of he knows what's in there. There's a star in each of you. And my hope today is that you'll leave this building a bit encouraged thinking, yeah. And maybe today will be a little springboard for you that you'll go away from this meeting and you'll have the best Christmas and enter 2022 thinking, I'm having a go. Why should I dumb myself down? What does it matter what people think of me? God thinks I'm brilliant and that'll do me. Because if God's for me, who can be against me? Do you know what I mean? Come on, there's some good stuff here. Have a look at this in Ephesians 2 and verse 10. It says this, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do the good stuff. And he prepared it for us in advance. God's got a great plan. You are not here by accident. You are here on purpose and for purpose. And God put stuff in you that you could flourish and experience your unique fullness. Fullness to you might be completely different from the person sat next to you. But God knows what fullness looks like for you. And he wants to bring it out in you. I hope you leave encouraged. What I want to do is I want to unpack two situations where we find people encountering Jesus. Let me read this first one to you in, in Luke 19. It says this. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector. We're not allowed to boo, all right? He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short and he could not see over the crowd, um, so he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree uh, to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, look, Lord, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay them back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham, and for the Son of Man came to seek and save what was lost. So picture this scene. Here is this short guy, Zacchaeus, who's heard about this Jesus. He's become famous and he's thinking, this interests me, I want to see this guy. 
but he's the chief tax collector and he's become super wealthy and one of the reasons he's super wealthy is because he's overtaxed everyone you can boo now <laughs> he's overtaxed everyone and so how do the people feel about him how would you feel sat next to the tax guy who you know has become wealthy because he's cheated you we would understand that punch your face in the sand of the front we would feel the same but here's the key that's not what Jesus sees because remember Zacchaeus was crafted in the womb Zacchaeus was made with reverence fearfully and wonderfully with purpose on him but his reality is this he had a gift in the finance world God put it there. He knew it was there. And in his learning and studying, he's rubbed up against the other finance guys. He's got in with the tax crowd. And what the tax crowd do is they cheat people and they become wealthy and they think it's great. And so what does he do? He follows suit. He stays in with the crowd. We get that. We've probably all done it. I'll fit in. I'm not necessarily sure I agree with everything that's going on, but I want to fit in. Zacchaeus has fitted in. And over the course of time, what was supposed to be a great man has become this awful man that people hate. But Jesus doesn't see that man. Jesus sees the man that he created him to be. And he stops and says, Zacchaeus, these guys all hate you, but I want to have a meal with you today. Come and, come and have a chat. Let's meet. Now what happens? One meal with the star maker. One meal with the guy who knew what was on the inside of you. He stands up and he says, if I've cheated anyone, I'm giving back four times the amount. Now how do people feel about him? How do we feel when we get that tax rebate? <laughs> Everyone's like, yes. See, overnight, because of one encounter with Jesus, the star maker, who knew what was in there in the first place, he suddenly becomes the hero. Wow, he's cheated me for all these years, and suddenly I've got four times. Wow, that's given me financial oh, the relief. The weight's off my shoulders. Because Jesus knew that Zacchaeus was a generous man. Jesus knew that he had the gift of giving on his life. Jesus knew that he had positioned himself to be able to function in that gift. But because of his life story, he'd dumbed it down. But Jesus pulled it back out of him. And one encounter with Jesus allowed fullness of life to flow for Zacchaeus. And everyone else because they've got their money back four times over can you see Zacchaeus was he living the full life was he actually happy despite his wealth I'm gonna say no wealthy but people hated him he was despised but one meal with the king one meal with the star maker and everything changed salvation come to this house today I've got you back where you were supposed to be in the first place and now people love you now you're happy with yourself now you've got your freedom back and you know what go and knock yourself out it's the same for me and you there is something in you and I can guarantee you in the course of life we've rubbed up his shoulders with all kinds of people all kinds of situations and are we being the people we really wanted to be and Jesus is saying, I know what's in you. I know what's in you because I put it there. Would you let me draw it out of you? I want to suggest that um, maybe we need to start being a little bit wild at heart. I started doing this little study and I was going to preach on it. And I thought, this whole idea of wild at heart, because I think sometimes we allow ourselves just to get squeezed in and we don't really express ourselves. 
You know, what's squashed the real you? And is it time to live again? I, as I was studying and sort of preparing for this, I was flicking around. And I think sometimes it's great in this context to have a quote from someone we'd all know. And I found this thing by uh, George Lucas. Now, he is the guy who is behind the Star Wars films, of a clever entrepreneur, a great thinker. And he made this statement. It will come on the screen. <coughs> this is George Lucas. We are all living in cages with the doors wide open. And I started thinking, that's exactly it. There is something brilliant in you, and you're living, and you're trying to bash through this life and do your very best and bless you in it. But there's more. The door's open. We've just got to step out. And sometimes I think there's got to be something in our heart that goes off and says, enough. I'm going to express myself. Next year's going to be a good year for me because I'm taking it by the scruff of the neck and I'm having a go. Come on, is there someone who thinks, yes, that's going to be me this year. The door's wide open and I'm going to step through. See, this is the theme we find all through Jesus' life. There's his time and probably one of the most famous bits in the Bible and most of you, I'm sure, maybe all of you will know it, where Peter walks on water. And the scene is the disciples are all in a boat. They are literally in the same boat. And Jesus comes along. Let me read you the passage in Matthew 14, verses 25 through 31. It says this, Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage. Take courage. It's such a great theme through the word. When the angels appeared to the shepherds at Christmas, they looked up and they were like, and the angels went, Fear not. Take courage. We're bringing good news. Jesus says the same thing. Take courage. It's me. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? So here's this scene. Here is the creator who is not subject to the creation. So he can walk on the water. And they're all freaked out by this. It's just like, wow. And they're all in the same boat, living in their comfort zone. We've all got a comfort zone. They're all in the comfort zone. But Peter gets a little bit wild at heart. He's like, oh, come on, then let's have a go. Can we get a little bit of Peter about us? He says, come on then, let's have a go. Jesus, if it's really you, call me. I'll have a go. And Jesus says, come on then. Can you imagine it? Not some fairy story, real event. They're all in the same boat. They're all comfortable. They're all doing what they know. But there's this opportunity to do something a little bit outrageous. There's this opportunity to look Jesus in the eye, have a little bit of faith and do something you've never done before. And Peter says, I'm in. And he gets out of the boat. Can you imagine it? Just for a second there, you walk and you're on the water. You're like, <laughs> can you imagine it really? But then he just overthinks it again. How many of us do that? He's, he's like, what on earth am I doing? He sees the wind, he sees the water, he thinks, what am I doing? He's, Whoa, he starts going under. But here's what I love, and here's what is still true today. Jesus didn't let him sink. He leant down and grabbed him and said, okay, your faith's little. Well done for having a go. And he doesn't let him sink. And I want to suggest to you, if there's a little bit of wildness in your heart that you want to have a go with, Jesus will never let you drown. 
He won't let you sink because he loves you. And here's the reality. We can all play it safe. We can all get by. And this time next year, you'll have probably been okay. Or we could understand there's something on the inside of you that wants to get out. There's something you need to express. There's something more for you. And Jesus is there, the star maker, saying, come on, have a go. And you might have a little step. And it might go really well. And, you think, oh, and there might be moments where you're thinking, what on earth am I doing? But here's the truth. Reality for Peter is the reality for you. Jesus will go, I've got you. Come on, we can do this together. Because he knows what's in you. And he's the star maker. And he's not subject to the creation. He is the creator. And he will back you. I want to have a story to tell. When I look back on my life, I don't want to have played it safe. I'd rather have a go and crash and burn and say, at least I tried, rather than just inching along, not really expressing myself. I think those of you who know me can tell that's not who I am. I'm going to have a go. I'm going to be a bit leery. But you know what? I've got stories to tell. And Jesus has never let me drown. And it'll be the same for you too. What could a meal with Jesus do for you what could breaking out of your norm looking Jesus in the eye and taking a step do for you do we allow all the things that have gone on in our life to have the final say or do we look at the one who says I came that you'd have fullness look him in the eye and say come on then let's try this fullness what could that look like for you but I believe it will give you a story that you won't get anywhere else until you look Jesus in the eye and say, come on then, let's go. There is more for you. You are an amazing person. I'm sure other people say different things about you, but God does not say other things about you. He thinks you're incredible. And it's about time we encouraged ourselves with that. How about give that person a nudge and say, you are amazing. Remember that. Sarah and I, we, uh, we like to watch a few Christmas films as we're approaching Christmas. Anyone got a favourite Christmas film? Yeah. One of our favourites is The Holiday. By raise of hand, have you seen The Holiday? Yeah, a few people. Let me recommend The Holiday to you. It's a great film, a bit romantic, um, but there's lots to it, and, and we love this particular film. And there's this old guy in it called Arthur, and he's an old Hollywood uh, screenwriter. And uh, he's, he's well, you know, past his prime now. And, um, but Hollywood wants to honour him. And they write to him every month. They write him a letter. We want to put on a show for you, Arthur. We want to remember all that you put into to the film industry. You're amazing. We'd love to honour you. But he won't go. He gets to the point where he won't even open the letters. And then one of the characters comes in and, and chats to him and she says, I see all these letters, you know, oh, leave them, leave them. In the end, she reads one of them. And it's this invite to a Hollywood thing where they're going to appreciate him. And she's like, why won't you go? And he says, oh, no one's interested in me. It would be an embarrassment. You know, old guy like me, I don't want to get there and have three people give me a clap and just make me look stupid. No, it's just ridiculous. I was years ago, years ago, I did that. But something amazing happens. She, she twists his arm. She convinces him to go. And I want to show you the clip. It's a minute and a half of a clip. And this is this Arthur arriving at this Hollywood show that he didn't want to go to because he thought no one cared. Have a look at this. Mr. Abbott? Yes, sir. We're all ready for you.
is a rock star. How cool is that? I've, if you want to watch that film, I guarantee you won't be disappointed. Awesome, awesome, awesome film. But here's what I wanted to show you biblically, and I hope that gives you a, a, a memory of it. In Hebrews 12 and verse 1, it says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race mounted out for us. And it got me thinking, heaven's watching. Heaven's watching me. Heaven's watching you. And I want to suggest this. We don't have to overcomplicate it. Every time you are kind, every time you are generous, every time you are brave enough to put your talent or gift on display, every time you're willing to stand out from the crowd, heaven stands up and says, yes. Yes. See, I want you to picture that scene, that the day will come when you're going to stand before Jesus. And when the doors open, heaven's going to stand up and go, well done. People have said things about you. Stuff had happened to you. All kinds of things came at you, but you persevered. You stepped up and you were still kind. You stepped up and you still displayed your talent. You stepped up and you still had a go, even when it was all against you. And we applaud you. Heaven's going to give you a round of applause. How about we give each other a round of applause right now? Because you're amazing, you guys. You really are. There's so much potential in this life for me and you. But we've got to grab it. And I wanted to encourage you today that as you grab it, Jesus is going to be right there. And there's a star in you. And one of his mission statements was, I came that you'd have fullness. And I don't know what fullness looks like for you. But I believe if you'd let Jesus in, you'd start experiencing something different. And it's not about a bunch of religious rules. It's about a relationship with the creator of heaven and earth who thinks you're brilliant. And he wants you to have a go. So I hope that this Christmas you reflect on some of that. And I hope as we go into 2022, despite all that's going on around us, something in you will stir to say, I'm living different. I'm having a go. I'm going to express myself. I'm going to push a door. I'm getting out of my cage because I know Jesus won't let me drown because he's with you. Amen.
Would you stand? I'd love to pray for you. Can I just invite you just to close your eyes? You don't have to, but I think it's really helpful in a moment like this. Father, I want to thank you for every brilliant, amazing person that's gathered today. Each of us unique. Each of us with our own story to tell. Each of us with our own set of gifts that you've given us. Each of us with a dream in our heart. Thank you that we're so different. But thank you that you love us the same. And thank you that all through your word, we can see that you will stand with us. We can see that you're reaching out to us. We can see that you want us to have the full life. So Lord, I want to pray for anyone who's felt squashed. Anyone who's had stuff come against them, which has just robbed them of a little bit of themselves. I declare wholeness to you guys, in Jesus' name. I declare health and healing to you, healing of the memories, healing of the hurtful words. Jesus is the great healer, and he's right here, right now for you. So be whole in Jesus' name. Lord, I want to pray that everyone would go away and have an incredible time at Christmas, celebrating the brilliant people in our lives, but remembering the point that we celebrate the King of Heaven coming to earth who came to say, I want you to have full life. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that that is your heart for us. So I declare goodness over your church. I declare blessings over your 2022. And I declare a little bit of courage in you to step out of that boat, to step out of your cage, to ask a few questions, push a few doors and express yourself. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen, Amen.